All right, hello and welcome to Between the Liars with Ryan and Josh. Hello there. And Marcelo. Hello, everyone. And uh, today we're going to be discussing space policy and a bunch of other things surrounding it's it. Gonna, about space. <laughs> it's going to be uh, a little bit different. Usually we bring you current news and events. Today we bring you things that are still relevant and still based in politics, but uh, a little more whimsical, a little probably less heated than things usually get a nice little vacation from that. So before we get into all of that, if you're watching the live stream of this, we would greatly appreciate if you would like and subscribe to this channel and hit those notifications so you can join us when we're live. Sorry to cover you there, Marcelo. <laughs> and also remember, you can follow us on all of our social medias at Between the Liars. And let's just get straight into it. So, uh, Josh, why don't you help us understand a little bit? Because like, I, I know that if people have been paying attention to the the discussion surrounding space. We've got public sectors. We've got private sectors. What would be the defining features of those and like help us separate those for those who might not be aware? Well, right now what we're going on is in some ways a second space race, but instead of occurring between competing global superpowers, it's competing between global super corporations. Uh, so yeah, uh, strategically different. But it's, it shares a lot of the same thing. A lot of these companies are pushing for the first of something and they're in a lot of experimental stages with different technologies and different ways to gain economic and strategic advantages um, from their involvement in space. So in the past, we more saw exploration missions funded by government to either push forth like the space race narrative and no small part just a form of propaganda and competing against another country to scientific explorations like we see with the International Space Station, the Hubble Telescope, or now more recently with the James Webb Telescope. These are critical tools for advancing our understanding of physics and other planets. And at a certain extent, a lot of these tools to get the grade and the capability of them that we have today, they just don't work on Earth. You need to get out of the atmosphere to get a better, clearer image, to get more finely tuned sensors, to get away with more of the interference from Earth. There's a lot of reasons to do experiments and exploration of space that we can learn things that we just cannot learn on Earth. Those things also don't make a lot of money. So private corporations <laughs> have been fairly limited in what they wanted to do with them. Because if you think about the James Webb Telescope, it produces some awesome images that are going to write many people's PhDs. I promise you, the amount of PhDs that have come out of the Hubble Telescope is an incredible number. They're fast. They're fantastic tools and some of the best we have to progress scientific knowledge. They don't make money. <laughs> um, the things we learn in the process, maybe 10, 15 years, 20 years down the line, but that's a big speculation. So from the public spec uh, sector, is, the, is it pretty much just NASA? Are there other aspects to that, or is that kind of the driving force there? Typically, a country is just going to have an administration that oversees what they are doing and coordinating all of their space flights. Well, the United States obviously has NASA, the Chinese government has the Chinese Manned Space Agency, and the Rus Russians have the Roscosmos, um, which, curiously enough, actually is a privately owned corporation by the Russian Federation. Um, I don't they're very keen about that difference, that it's technically a state corporation and not a state agency. Um, you have to ask them about it. I, I was going to say, that sounds know. like doublespeak. <laughs> it sounds like the same yeah. thing. <laughs> I mean, this is also the, the agency that promised to withdraw from the International Space Station just after mm. they got their own space station built. <laughs> um, so very – of course, they do have plans for it, and they're working to it. And actually, in no small way, it would be great for them to put up another one because it's only the International Space Station, and China has its own space station as mm. well. So there's only two actual space stations. Um now, in terms of the private sector, what we're seeing now, we see a push for satellite technology, better GPS, better cell phone coverage, better cellular internet, things like Starlink, um, all types of low orbit missions that provide all types of different technologies that we make uh, use of. A bit more down the line, you know, 20, 30 years, um, we'll see the more development of space tourism and people, you know, there's already been, you know, mega millionaires spending however much money they spent that will fly up into the stars. That will become more commonplace, but the real money made out in space might be 40 to 50 years down the line, and that's going to be asteroid mining. Hmm. Um, Is that just there? We're, we're running out of precious metals on Earth, so we're going to asteroids, or what, what does that entail? It turns out digging's really hard. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
little known, little known fact, <laughs> we actually can't drill that far into the earth. Yeah. Um, and when you do, like, even just for, like, carbon-based things, uh, the amount of times you have to drill to even strike something, like, you've got multiple times you got to drill. So, no, that, that makes sense. Yeah, and it's like, here's this big rock just floating around in space. So all we got to do is get out to it, uh, attach a couple, you know, uh, engines to it, and mm. move it back, whether we, you know, lasso it to a ship of some way or another, tether it, you know, tether it down, or just attach thrusters to it and then get it back to a refining uh, facility and then get the minerals down back in, you know, in earth. It's a much better hypoth, you know, situation once space flights a bit more regularly figured out. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, another concern that has been rising alongside of the ever growing amount of private corporations testing and sending up rockets has been, you, you burn a lot of things flying into space, and so you put out a ton of carbon dioxide and carbon dioxide and other less than great chemicals into our atmosphere every time we fire up a rocket because we're still using chemical engines. Yeah, yeah Marcelo, um, Marcelo is our, our resident greenhouse gas protester. <laughs> uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on just the green impact even, if you want to get specific on that? Honestly, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lot more open to it when it comes to like research and when the government uses it for NASA. I've never really understood, and maybe we'll talk about this later, I never really understood the idea behind saying, okay, well, the private, government, the private company can do it because they're better, and then just giving them the government, the, giving them the money that the government would have used anyways. Mm. To me, that's just like, you know, like, it's a lot of innovation, sure, or whatever, but, but like, I don't really, and obviously that applies to other areas, like Tesla and, and other big corporations that they're like, you know, oh, we're pioneers in this. And then they're uh, obviously being babysat by the government's money and like everything that they're trying to do. So that, that, that doesn't sound very capitalist from my perspective. Yeah, that, that is true. There has been a lot of critical moments in private space exploration that have taken place that would have gone very differently, save a few uh, NASA engineers, whether that be over uh, overview on rocket design and engine design or just other things they've brought them in because mm. uh credit where credit's due there is no one better at putting things into space than the united States's uh nasa it's just america baby america that's <laughs> yeah. that's that's the i i love the when i came here to 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 the u.s to study i was like nasa like i want to i want to I, you know, I want to be a, an astronaut, you know, like, I, I love it here and, and, and here mainly because it's like, you know, you guys went to space and, that was, you know, like, we do these things not because they're easy, but because they're hard. And, and, and to me, I think one of the things that, that used to, and then I think, I don't know if it does anymore, it's, it's this idea that, that America is still the best at, you know, going to space. And they were the first ones to go to, well, not to space, but to the moon and, and all of those things that I think that's very, like, Unifying and, and NASA got, got us there, right? Like, you know, Elon Musk didn't get us there. Yeah. Um, space exploration definitely has, in my opinion, a unique policy uh, place that really can bring people together because it's something that is so clearly has very little to do with personal gain from doing it. Mm. Um, obviously, there are people who will benefit and have benefited throughout past of being involved with these programs, but nothing you do in space exploration is really for yourself. Every day the ISS stays up and those astronauts live in there. We learn so much more about science and things that will benefit humanity for centuries to come. So it's a very long-term oriented project as well and helps us keep reminded about the future and even less so about what we're doing in the here and now, but how do we keep preparing for what is to come because this is an incredibly long, you know, and complicated process that's taken us. Do you, do you know um, offhand which countries are involved in the international space station? Um, I want to say, I know the United States and Canada, Russia, I'm not sure how many member, how many people come in from Europe. I know there's been a few uh, European uh, well, you can even take up there. you can even take Russia. I, I guess what what I was wanting to kind of 
talk about is how you mentioned unifying and even with the international space station like you've got nations who are either tense with one another or even at odds with one another who are unified at least when they are in space there's almost like this bubble of like this is what we're doing together for the global perspective as opposed to the individual nation perspective at least to an extent yeah, I mean, it's also, uh, I think, a very unifying message to have scientists who are working on projects to advance our understanding and our knowledge, who will, you know, who have, are up, you know, there are Russian scientists up on the ISS with Americans right now, and they have gone about their days, continue to do their research projects for the benefit of humanity. Like the war pretty much hasn't happened for them because they have a job to do up there and they're focused on doing that. And to some extent, yeah, the conflicts uh, to the planet tend to fade away once you work in the grander scale of, you know, even just our small solar system. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the, um, which you had mentioned with like the different aspects of going into space. We've talked about mining. We talked about exploration, right? Like the U.S. was the first to put someone on the moon. I believe it was the Russians who were the first to put someone in space. Um, yeah. And so there's there's different achievements. You know, we've we've put a... I feel like a robot degrades what we put on Mars, but you know, you, you put the Mars rover out there. Like we, several <laughs> robots. We've we've put a lot out into space for the exploration portion. Um, let's talk a little bit about like the exploration versus exploitation, and like the different um, ways that we can go about the space stuff. I'll kick it to you, Josh. Yeah. Um... In my mind, this represents the difference between a lot of the scientific-minded programs that aren't designed to generate a lot of immediate return on investment that could be, you know, 50, 60-year, you know, thought processes and design plans to keep evolving uh, different technology. Like we got the James Webb telescope up there and it's, you know, active and performing well. They're already working on the next rendition of that you know, to send up here soon. It's a never nonstop program of building the next better one. And the governments have handled, you know, the governments of the world have handled a lot of this exploration technique because of that, because you just don't make money on that. Like sending uh, all of those Apollo missions was really cool. We learned a lot of great stuff. No one made money from that. Right. We sunk a ton of money into that. No one like recouped, like you could argue some of the technologies um, developed there have been really beneficial. It's also hard to argue those technologies wouldn't have developed elsewhere. There's not too many space-exclusive technologies. Like A lot of people like to point to Wi-Fi. Hmm. That's great and all. Wi-Fi is a modified radio signal. Like It's just a glorified radio signal in a very specific way. So did we learn it during the space race? Absolutely. Would we have probably figured that out anyways? Yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, there's a lot of cool engineering like like a lot of high reliability and fault resistant technologies you know way to program a computer to account for radioactive you know radiate you know solar radiation interfering with the circuitry on board so a lot of cool innovations come from that but eh. so but it does spur a lot of it because a lot of research and development takes place around making these missions possible and so a lot of innovations can tumble out of that but it's hard to tie a direct return on investment to these scientific explorations and the technologies that may or may not come that may or may not see broad acceptance and usage. Now, space exploration exploitation focuses a whole lot more on the, there's a lot of really expensive and really nice things in space. And it's going to take a lot of money to get out there, a lot of money to set up the stuff to facilitate, refine them, get the materials back to Earth. But it's going to be so worth it. Um, there's a lot of, I, I would argue there's a lot of environmental benefits to this once we get a better understanding of how to make cleaner rockets, because instead of having to destroy several square miles of a forest to get at this particular ore that's very rare on earth, there's just a giant rock of it floating around in space, not doing anything. And we can just go have it, uh, benefits. Nothing's alive in space. You don't have to worry about taking someone's stuff. Um, it's just there. Uh, and taking it from there won't upset any natural systems on the planet Earth. Do you guys uh, think that um, as we as we find things that are valuable to us back on Earth, that that's then going to lead to territorial conflicts of sorts between the nations? Like as we decide, like who gets I, what? I think it, I think it already has. Right? There's a reason why the U.S. put their flag up on the moon. Right? <laughs> there were like like it's everybody's 
is mine, right? Like it's yeah. not. Um, I, there's a declaration, right? That 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 says that space is for everyone. Like nobody really has a claim to any part of space, but I can't really see that staying that way. Mm. Um, the question then is with with corporations, who are you gonna like? Who are you gonna find for a corporation just like being like, whoop, this meter is mine. Thank you. <laughs> you just have like flags just on different <laughs> meteors, and then once you've taken all the resources of that meteor, then you move your flag to the next one, and so on and so forth. Like it, it's almost comical because obviously, you know, with with my backyard, I can put up like a little fence around it, but with space, you know, like oh, like no, that's that's my angle, that's my orbit, <laughs> like don't, don't don't touch it. So yeah, it it, it it's too. I know there's probably a way to do it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I would say my hope for territorial disputes going uh, forward is I hope the governments sign an agreement of non-ownership like we do in Antarctica and say, you know, honor what we say and mean by spaces for everyone when it comes to potential habitable places for humans in the future. So any long-term colonization efforts, governments should refrain from saying, we own this. Mm -hmm. um, my, my hot take for space uh, uh, property rights, though, is if you're the first one to the rock and you're able to capture it and bring it back to your facility, it's yours. And you can't just radar mark something and claim it. Um, <laughs> and, and you might think that may suppress the development of radar technology for like deep space probing. However, you won't know the rock is there to claim unless you scan for it in the first place. So you'll still need good radar systems. But if we just open it up, again, Marcel points out like it's a really good thing. Like how do we tell when, when some corporation just, you know, fricks part of the asteroid belt and goes, there's a lot of great stuff over here. <laughs> it's mine now. <laughs> like, no, that obviously can't work. Um, it just needs to be, if you're able to get out there and make use of the resource, then hmm. you get to, you know, it's yours. Uh, call it like salvage rights. Because it is just out there floating around not doing anything. We're not disturbing anything by pulling all of these off. Like we could empty the asteroid belt and it wouldn't matter. The asteroid belt doesn't do anything. It's a collection of rocks and a gravity well. Um, Jupiter accelerated them and they got stuck there. That's it. I, um, I could see that working for the resource portion, but for colonization, I think when you try, I mean, in, in effect, I think of, you know, let, let's say that people transplant themselves i mean it's finally we find a way to make it habitable whether it be i, I don't know whatever technology it takes to do that well then i feel like the governments are going to have a vested interest in that because they can you know you can expand your country but also like you've got the added complication of if i'm a u.s citizen there and like you know i mean we, we would have to assume that murder wouldn't take place right like what what happens um and and where do governments get involved i feel like that would kind of nudge them but then i feel like they'd also have this natural tendency to just flex their this power this is great a television show on Amazon called The Expanse. It will answer all of these questions with probably a horrific foresight. I've never seen um, it. I actually haven't heard of it. I'll have to look into that then. The Expanse. Uh, I, I, I will give it a 10 out of 10. It is sci-fi in the truest sense of where it is science. And the only fiction part about it is that it's taking place relatively in the future, but it's also doesn't put on any of the fancy, uh, like there's no fancy way to slow down your ship. You just got to turn around and start a deceleration burn. Like <laughs> okay. it's actually just space. Um, and has a great conflict between the Earth, uh, Mars, and hmm. what comes to be known as the Belt, where people living out in stations like Ceres, Ganymede, Titan, and these other deep space habitable areas or potentially habitable areas. Hmm. Um, I don't. Know, I think the ISS offers us hope that the governments could realize that it's not economically or resourcely or you know, materially viable to have a whole bunch of different colonies on the moon. We're going to want one big colony on the moon and we're going to want to send resources to that centralized location because that's going to be the best way to prevent you know, a catastrophic failure for your specific team. Yeah. Um, you don't want your colony to get spaced. Uh, and then the colony gets so big that they declare independence from the rest of the earth. <laughs> so that's... And then they have the Marines yeah. train in 1G gravity for some suspicious reason. Yeah, like, w without making too many references to the show, I, I think... <laughs> I, think I, I, I do think that the ISS is, you know, it's going well so far, no. question mark, but, but I think 
and again, no, not a total expert, but one of the first reasons why they were like, okay, the ISS is a good idea is because not one nation wanted to upfront the cost of, yeah. of building the whole thing. Once nations get richer and they're able to, you know, Russia said they would go away, right? And China has already done their own thing. Uh, who's to say <laughs> that, you know, the U.S. won't be like, actually, we want another one. So they'll just mm. build another one and they'll just put it somewhere else. I feel like the two factors that are going to influence how this unfolds, the biggest one will be, are there resources that are valuable? Because I think that once we introduce an economic portion to this, then nations are more likely to be like, nope, this is mine. Like, and, and that will also breed the possibility for fighting, um, especially for territorial claims. Versus the International Space Station, I think one of the reasons it's successful is because it's like smaller and contained, so you've got like representatives, it's not just like the entire population. The other reason is what I was just getting at there, which is the economic portion. We're focused, it, it's really not profitable, for the, which is why the governments are funding it, like Josh mentioned earlier. But also, there's not resources that they're claiming, they are exploring and there is knowledge, so it's not like a tangible thing that they're having to to stake a claim in even though they did stake a claim in the moon they can also stake out a metaphorical claim i guess on the knowledge that they find right because they're doing yeah. the research and and the scientists who are there are from a specific nation they could always choose not to share it to keep it to yeah. themselves. intellectual property value almost yeah they're like you know well, we found this really cool secret it doesn't even have to be you know <laughs> like just science right right yeah uh, and i think marcel's highlight something because like if you think about it especially like ryan as you mentioned once there becomes more of an economic factor if uh, a particular nation develops a lot better engine and most of the economy say in 100 years 150 years is going to be you know more focused around getting these minerals and resources out of space then that engine technology is going to be one of the most profitable things on the planet um, I guess at that point in the, in the solar system, uh, <laughs> because if you're able to complete your mission 10, 15% faster, that's yep. could be days off, could be weeks off a mission, depending on where you're going. And, you know, time is money. So mm. there, I think there is that unfortunate part, like when I was writing up the show notes and like one of my cons of, of like government run programs is that they eventually will put guns in space. Um, we already have uniquely developed anti-satellite missiles um, huh. because reasons um yeah they're, they're actually very bad to fire off but russia the united states and china all had to make sure they tested theirs um yeah. well if one's got a mutually assured destruction yeah, becomes the only yeah. current at that point <laughs> you can't build a new missile without testing it for the other countries to see like what do we do it gotta flex it <laughs> um but i think that's what will also be interesting to see about the future of space colonization also on the line of profitability is the first long-term colony on the moon is going to be a research station with astronauts on it who rotate much like they do for the international space station and that will probably be the first decade two decades depending on where the technology is and how quickly it advances and for that reason alone a lot of the initial infrastructure and what gets done in terms of building habitable spaces on the moon won't have much involvement from private corporations other than maybe what we see now with how spacex and these other companies interact with the government uh because spacex picks up contracts to bring materials to the international space station yeah. here and that now again um so i could see like corporations doing that as as space becomes more and more relevant as we're able to capitalize on more and more of its resources there's also something that the government will build, want to have its stake, not necessarily in space, but in an outpost in, on the moon, Mars, Ceres, Ganymede, whatever, because that will enable their citizens access to the ports to take advantage of those outposts. Um, so the initial setup is going to be non-profitable, pretty much government-run, and governments will also have a pretty strong you know, incentive. So I think there's at least some hope for maybe not like a land war per se in space, but uh, I think, we're, you know, it's a pretty good assumption that someone's going to get a little too, you know, handsy about a certain asteroid and it's not going to end well for <laughs> people. Um, that, that is just going to happen eventually. Uh, because even maybe some arguments about having a proper claim system of just scanning, um, figuring out what's viable and just assigning regions to certain people uh, or certain nations, 
to avoid the problem of two ships bumping you know, out to each other trying to claim the same rock out in space. Not that that is likely, because rule number one about space is space is big. <laughs> that is rule number one. Um, you, could pro- you could probably be out there for your entire life and never encounter another ship in the asteroid belt if you truly felt like it. Space, mm-hmm. It is phenomenally large. So long as they don't go to the same spot. It, well, so the, the, the greatest push was obviously... When NASA, which we would go with here as the public portion, right, government-funded, led that. And now we've seen that it's – well, if there is no return, the government will fund it, but also the government's not really putting a lot of money into it. In fact, it seems like all nations are putting more money into things that can double for, like, military – for the U.S. Department of Defense aspects, right? So, like, there's they're going to fund research that does a lot of overlap. It might have space application, but, like, whether it be, like, lasers or, like, some kind of, like, radar type of improvement, it does have a military application. Do you guys think that the next big expansions are more likely to come from the public or the private portions here? Like, are we thinking, like, SpaceX or are we thinking more, like – NASA because like I, I think NASA has a distinct disadvantage in that it's funded by the government right so and, and, as you know unless if the government doesn't want they, I mean they cut back their budget a lot but also from the private sector they're not likely to put money into it unless they think they're going to get a return on their investment we've already seen some pretty cool things that SpaceX has produced their ability to send up a rocket deliver a payload and have that rocket come back intact <laughs> amazing yeah um like we used to do payload delivery by shuttles of where it would fire off those rockets then the two side ones would fall out and there was the main thruster then that would fall and then it would take it up and people would come back down. Like a lot more big metallic waste and manufacture things just falling down to the planet and burning up an atmosphere. Um, so the rockets from SpaceX in terms of delivering cargo um, are a lot more efficient, not because they have new engine technology, but every pound of rocket you don't have to discard and don't have to waste is a pound, several pounds of fuel you don't have to burn. Um, and of course, we've seen here recently the completion of, of a few of uh, SpaceX's uh, manned missions as well, which, you know, up to the International Space Station, they delivered a crew. So I think in newer flight devices, the private sector is doing a lot better. And I and I and if you look at NASA's description and what they're focusing on, I think that's reflective. Because a lot of what they talk about with Project Artemis, which is the overarching planet NASA right now, which is to return to the moon soon. They were hoping by 2024. That's not going to happen. Um it's I'm sorry, NASA. Like a couple other websites. You already got to approve the 2023-2024 budget. If they don't have it, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> um but they were focusing a lot more on colonization efforts, on structures, on vehicles, uh, spacesuits. Because uh, when those SpaceX people went up, they actually went up in a SpaceX rocket, but in NASA's latest revision of spacesuits. Um, and that's because, earnestly, with our still very naive position in space exploration, there's not a lot of, at times, ego between a lot of these people. Like, oh, you have this better thing? Excellent. We're going out into the vacuum. This is an incredibly bad idea from the get-go. So I think it's mixed, but I think there's going to be more money coming in from the private sector, if even in smaller, more focused areas. If they can reduce the risk, then sure. I I, I agree. I also don't have any faith uh, from the federal government because they seem to be cutting everything that I love. So, and I love NASA, so they're like, you know, yeah, you know, what, what is NASA anyways? And then, you know, sure, whatever. I honestly, at this point, I expect Raytheon to get to the moon faster than NASA again, right? Like, I don't, no love lost for large government contracts for other companies. And, and the government contracts, I think, is another important thing that we should probably touch on because, in and you mentioned this a, a second ago, Josh. You're, you're seeing even the developments and like the involvement from private sector pieces like SpaceX. They're contracted by the government, so the government's not putting the funding into NASA. They're putting it into to private. So that that tendency is is I, I feel like my money would be on the private sector just because even with the public involvement of the government, they tend to be from what I'm seeing anyway putting it into the private 
sector. What what do we think are the pros and cons of public versus private? We can start with the the pros of the public sector. I mean, I think getting us to the moon is a massive pro, but like currently modern day, I feel like there's been a very large gap. Like NASA hasn't I'm not saying that NASA is irrelevant, but I don't think that it's been in the public eye in the same way that it was at all. So what might be some some pros that have been overlooked in the last, I don't know, what, 20, 25 years? I, I don't I don't think the, you know, national pride should be this kind of as a, as a, as a massive pro because, you know, sure. confidence in government is on an all-time low. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that, you know... I love the, the NASA t-shirts with like the NASA like little, the little caps and like <laughs> it's just like you know I'm I'm a huge fanboy and I, and I think you know when when you read stories of people who were like watching TV and like they were listening to the radio well like one the the first man on like on the moon and everything and all, and all that and I I think going back it would be a huge pro of you know like like doing it you know I, I think it's it's a lot of worse. And I'm being hyperbolic again, but I think it's a lot worse to be like, you know, we're landing on the moon again. This broadcast is brought to you by McDonald's, you know, like this, this broadcast is brought to you by like, you know, HelloFresh, you know, use the code moon to get 50% off on your next. It's, it's, it's a lot. It, it feels so much worse than to, you know, to say like, yeah, like I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of, you know, like, you know, respect our troops or whatever, but I'll, I'll salute the the astronauts for sure like i and i would do it a lot more if they didn't have like logos stamped on their backs the enemy goes more like nascar <laughs> this astronaut is sponsored by <laughs> uh, one 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 step one small step whatever but first here's the squarespace you know have you heard of squarespace um, if we get if there is a touchdown successfully and a return Free fries at McDonald's on Monday <laughs> after the game. I would do, it. and I, go ahead, Josh. But I would. That's what that's what they that's what they do back home. You know, I don't I don't know I don't haven't seen it here that much. But like you know, when Peru goes to to the World Cup, not that often, right? But when when we do, it's like you know, if we win this match, then a bunch of people are out to celebrate, and then there's a national holiday, and people are like out there on the streets, and then they give a free. I don't know. It's I'm, I'm off to a tangent, but I, I think I think having you know, like when India launched their first satellite like a couple of years ago, like people, like people from India were like, "Oh my god, this is insane! This is so cool!" And like, because it's it's something that you can you know, there's not a lot of things you can be proud of for your country, but I think space exploration is one of them. Yeah, I mean, the pure difficulty of space exploration and the dangers and challenges it poses to the crew who undertake such missions is it's hard to look at and not go oh that's really badass <laughs> um just the, the audacity to step into a spaceship and let it blast you to the moon and to have and, and to think you know all right something is probably going to go wrong everything there's been slight you know malfunctions in almost every mission and we're just going to fix it it could be like apollo 13 levels of bad and we're just going to fix it yeah um, that's incredible. And if you read some of the profiles of the people who become astronauts, you will feel insignificant and lazy. Um, there is there, incredible strenuous, like, I mean, both physically, mentally, it's just, I mean, it's, it's basically space Navy SEALs. I mean, not, not quite to the Navy SEAL level, but it's, it's rigorous. But there's been like a guy who was like, I forget if whether he was, um, uh, what, what special forces in? He was like United States special forces. God is JD. God is MD. Um, he was Air Force. He was a pilot. Yeah. And, and then became an astronaut, and then had like a master's in like astrophysics as well. And I was like, okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's like completed five different career runs, and then flew up into space. All right. Um, Just rounded out for the infinity gauntlet of careers. And and I think even in that sense, giving not just national pride, but giving a nation heroes. People who you can look to and go, here are people willing to not sacrifice their lives in the way of like an armed forces or an army would, but to expose themselves to danger out of curiosity. Mm. And and if there's anything to be said about humans is that we're very curious and we want to go places. 
Um, we were not content until we had mapped out every aspect of this earth. Like we were like, okay, we're going to find everything. We started in Africa. We realized we could live pretty much anywhere. And we immediately did. It took humans like 30,000 years to go everywhere across the globe. We were barely putting together these very rickety boats. And we're like, this is good <laughs> enough to sail over to the United, to the Americas with. And they did. <laughs> and, uh, and yet we refused. The audacity to, of to, humans. To, to, because I, honestly, I think it's because we're terrified to do so. But we're not exploring the oceans. We're going to space. And I was like, you know, there's a lot of really creepy, really terrifying stuff at the bottom of the oceans. I don't blame them for not going there. But I just think it's funny that they've. They've, and it's not that we don't have stuff going down there, but I feel like we've put more money into funding things to go to space than to explore and map the depths of the ocean. It's just a lot cooler to send up rockets like, oh, wow, cool rocket. <laughs> I just, I, just the way that I am like, I'm not necessarily claustrophobic, but just the thought of having to go down into the ocean where if something goes wrong, I would face one of my greatest fears, which would be drowning to death. Like I just, I, I personally couldn't do it. Ryan, Dying. I have some also comforting one of my news. greatest fears. I, I agree. <laughs> I have some comforting news, Ryan. You won't drown. You'll be crushed by the pressure. I mean, <laughs> very. <laughs> that's. You're right. You're right. But still, I mean, <laughs> one way or the other, I don't. Whether I, we're getting technical here. Whether I drown or I'm crushed by the ocean, I didn't want to die in the depths of the ocean. And the same for space. You know, then you just have a vacuum with no air. Uh, <laughs> the view in space, though. The view on the way out. That's true. You, you would you know, be hard to much, much better view going out in space than you would <laughs> in the ocean. <laughs> so I, I feel like those were mostly limited to the to the, the pros of the public. What would be the pros then of the private sector then? Because like, I feel like we, we've got – when we introduced the private sector, I feel like that was when we started shifting a little bit more to the concepts of – uh, almost like the joy rides, right? Like NASA started looking at like, let's keep exploring for science. Let's send the rovers, etc. But I feel like SpaceX and like anything else that's been private has been focused more. And, and I could be wrong on this, but my perception has been that they focused more on let's get the technology so that we can get people at this point, it's too freaking expensive, so it's going to be like the richest of the rich. But like getting people, not just necessarily trained astronauts to be able to go out into space. It's definitely, like, honestly, and, and the only reason why they started doing it is because the government is so, like, useless at, you know, getting, like, you know. <laughs> and again, I, I'm sorry, NASA, you know, I love you forever. But, <laughs> you know, it's it, it it's only because the government efforts have been not so fruitful in the last however many years that private companies are like, okay, maybe we can, there's a space for us here uh, to carve out for themselves. And I think one of the biggest pros sadly, is that they're doing it for profit. So you know they're not going to, like if they're doing it, it's because they can make a profit out of it, right? And then, yeah. and, and they evaluated the risk. And like you said, they're probably going to do it so that they can put up a hotels over there and then just sell it to the mega rich. And then eventually they'll put smaller hotels and it'll be for the ultra rich. And then this will we'll keep going down the line until it's affordable enough for us in like maybe 200 million years, let's say. Um, but it's... I think, I don't know. I guess I guess the biggest pro is that at least they're doing something right um, in, in, the, yep. in the free in the in the free marketplace of of, of ideas. And I, I guess our ideas are not <laughs> not that bad. I, I do have a problem with and, and like we're talking about pros, right? So I don't want to break this up again. But yeah, hold that. We'll get to the cons. <laughs> they are using they are using government money. They are. Fine, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait for the. <laughs> I'll wait for the cons. And I don't know. I don't like, even. That might be. That might be a con. But I mean, it could also be a pro, right? Because if the government has the money, but they don't have the ability to use it well, and you know me, I tend to think that the government is not exactly the best at allocating tax dollars. If they've allocated it to a group that uses it more effectively, I would say that that's a better use, even though it's gone private at that point. I mean, that could still be a pro. And then you, you've almost got a uh, teamwork going between the government knowing. You know, where should we pass this off to the private sector, the free market of ideas? So I could, see, I mean, that could be a pro or a con, depending on how much you flesh it out and where you go. Josh, what did you think on the pros of the private portion? One of the pros relates back to the first rule of space, that being space is big. Uh, 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 Douglas Adams, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, rule number one, space is big. <laughs> and that means when it takes a lot of money to even get a very minuscule grasp of everything going on out there um 
we will not be able to deplete the asteroid belt of rare resources before either leaving the solar system or something terrible happens to us as a species. It's too big. There's too much. There is unlimited resources out there of different metals, different who knows what things we're not quite sure how to use things we may or may not have encountered um, in significant amounts to make usable here on Earth. Maybe there's, you know, a giant asteroid of it floating around out there and we can use this not new metal, but un, very uncommon, uncommon enough. We haven't found a good economic use for it now because of its abundance out in the asteroid belt. We can make it then. So from that aspect, you know, kind of like Marcel, at least they're doing something. Um, but I think in terms of as we look to advance our technologies and have an increased reliance on these metals, the better access to them that space mining will provide will make a lot more technology more broadly accessible and for a lot lower price and a lot less on-planet impacts of disruptive mining. Um, like if you look up images from different rare earth mineral mines, you know, that are in China, that are in South America, that are in uh, parts of Africa, they're incredibly destructive programs. And a lot of them cause resource wars and conflicts in those countries that are happening, like how many people have died in the Congo over resources to make our cell phones. This is a shocking number of people. These are less likely to happen in space. And that's at least something that focusing on less destructive ways of acquiring economic resources is always going to be good. And that's not something the government is too fond of doing when it comes to its space work, you know, for good reasons. You know, mm. it's the government's willingness to take on nonprofit generating scientific programs is an excellent role for a nonprofit generating entity. Um, but in terms of making strategic and quick use of new resources out and throughout space, you just let the capitalists do their thing. Like maybe they'll find a way to destroy the world with it. I don't know. Um, but I doubt it. Uh, space is big. So I think the increase of specialized groups because um, the companies will find their niche of things they do. They'll be dedicated tourism companies. They'll be dedicated mining companies. They'll be dedicated, you know, low and medium, or you know, or uh, Earth orbit companies for satellites. And this has the possibility to advance those particular technologies better than a generalized space exploration program. The focus of these teams is a bit of in of itself, in my opinion. That hmm. the government agency just trying to do lots of science doesn't quite have. Yeah. Um. They've also only got so many resources, right? So, like, if the government is limited in the number of people who can do things, expanding your team through the private sector, that becomes a benefit. Yeah. Like, if the government has, let's say, they have all this money, but they don't have the people who either have the know-how or the drive or, like, whatever they're lacking. If they have the funds and they can delegate it, then we see the pros coming out through that delegation in the private sector. Or if a private company can do it for cheaper, as uh, Marcel has been talking about, this reliance True. on... Uh, government money of companies like SpaceX. SpaceX gets a ton of money from NASA, uh, a ton of contracts. Yeah. But NASA's being smart. Um, it would cost NASA more money to do it themselves. So they can get more science done by contracting SpaceX. And that's yeah. a good decision. Um, and that is where the specialization and division of the teams can shine sometimes of. The really specialized rocket delivery people turns out, made a really good rocket delivery program. Yep. Do they know how to run a space station? Probably not. Do they know how to <laughs> organize a flight to the moon? Probably not. But they can make a rocket, rocket that delivers supplies really well. And the benefits to that. And I mean, that, that, that almost, I mean, in, in my sector, in the academic sector, the, the management concept there is delegation, right? So if the government knows their limits, then, you know, they're making good use of it. And uh, as we, we're not wrapping this up quite yet, but I want to make sure Marcelo gets his chance to talk about the cons. Go ahead, Marcelo. <laughs> we'll, we'll shift those gears there. Go ahead and go off on those cons. <laughs> uh, already, the cons of, the cons of what? The public or the cons of, of private? Why don't you pick? I'm good with either. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, I mean, well, we can go with the concept of public, right? Okay, concept of public um, it is. I, I think, well, the concept of, of living in there into the public, I think, does just embrace what we talked about with the private corporations. Is that if you just, you know, just leave it up to, leave it up to the U.S., leave it up to China, leave it up to Russia, like the big, you know, also no love lost for big imperialistic countries to go out and do their imperialism somewhere else, right? Even if there's nobody 
living out there, you know, it's still not a huge fan, not the biggest fan of that. So I'm, I'm between a rock and a hard place, right? You, you, you either have all of, all of these corporations doing it or you have all of these, you have a bunch of little like US flags being planted on every asteroid that they can find, right? So it's not, um, I also think it's like Josh said, I think it's because lower for sure. I, again, I have no expectation of, of NASA doing it, everything they promised they will do. I also have no expectation of their funding going any bigger, knowing how things are going here. And to you know, to their credit, I will say that uh, we could use that money here in this in, in this world, like in, in, on the Earth, a, a, a little better. We have, I think, a few issues we need to yeah. fix up before we take care of everything else. We've almost got a Maslow's hierarchy of needs at play, right? Because if when people are struggling with an economy where they're not able to afford things that they might have been able to before that they need now, then, you know, they might be like, yeah, I don't know that I really want, you know, all this money spent on space exploration doesn't affect me personally. Yeah. Like a lot of messaging, it kind of goes that way. It's like, do you, do you like space exploration? Do like, do you like NASA? And people are like, yeah, well, I love, you know, wow, going to the moon is, is great. And it's like, well, did you know that NASA gets this much? And then, you know, <laughs> rent is an all time high and like, yeah. you can't even afford food and all of these things. And, you know, and here's your $600 check for the pandemic. <laughs> you are like, what the heck? You know, what's going on? Why am I not getting that money? So it makes sense, right? Like, yeah. I'll, I'll, and I'll never advocate for funding that over many, many other things mm. that we need here. Cons of public to you, Josh. What do you What do you think? I think there should be a lot of concern about the the naturally occurring resources in space and a government monopolizing on them through whether it be agency control, controlling what rocks people are and aren't allowed to uh, gain access to. Because I believe there will come a time where we will need so much of these minerals if we're not mining them in space. We will just not have enough of them on Earth. As we start to learn better and better how to use these more advanced compounds to further drive our technology to limits beyond um eventually it's going to become too detrimental to get it from earth and we'll be faced with a okay are we going to do something different and find a new a completely and entirely new technology or do we go get rocks from space and so having the government being able to monopolize on that doesn't sound great mm. um like you wouldn't necessarily want you know there to be like a a hunting license of where you're like given so many asteroid tags you're allowed to use for asteroid season. Like, no, like space is big. Space is unfathomably big. Um, there's plenty of rocks for mm. everyone. Every human could go and pull like another, like entire planet of the, like another seven, like every human could have 7 billion rocks in space and there'd probably be quintillions <laughs> of rocks left. Um, it's so absurd. Um, so I, I think when it comes to that, especially when we start getting into deep space, when we're actually talking about the asteroid belt and things just so far and removed from planetary concerns, like unless someone intentionally like does the math to send one of them to earth, which would just be a, you know, a terrorist act anyways, it's own set of problems. Um, it, it'd be impossible to hurt the planet by something you do in space. Mm -hmm. Like you're just millions of kilometers away. It's not a problem what you do out there. Um, so, I think some hesitancy about once we get out there and once we get away from colony bases might be detrimental. In that sense, I also think, as Marcel pointed out, people can get a little wishy-washy on space spending, even as I will contend. It's not that much. Like NASA's budgets, like either 19.6 billion or like 21 billion, it fluctuates between those two numbers roughly. Mm. As horrific as thing this is about to say, that's not a lot of money to the American government. Yeah, um, on the grand scheme of things. What, there's a lot of state governments that operate with those levels of like, and wouldn't consider that a ton of money anyways. Like if yeah. you came in like a 20 billion prog program to California and New York, they'd be like, <laughs> okay, that's a program. But you know, at the same time, eh. Um, well, you're, you're, you're assuming that the government's going to reject money with that. <laughs> you know, they'd be like, yeah. I'll take as much money as you could possibly give me. I, I feel like both of the things that you guys mentioned uh, can also be applied to the private sector. It, it seems like at least for now, the freelance portion that is like SpaceX, etc., that they've they've managed it well, right? Like they've taken that and they've done innovation that, and they've expanded it well. Do you think that we have any danger then of them like not like going rogue, but like 
misusing the funds that they're given as stewardship or like like what what might be the the cons specific to the private sector because like i could see the things you mentioned also being a danger to the private because it is money that's sometimes just being almost like sublet to them but go ahead marcelo I'm gonna back the question. I'm gonna say, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jinx it. Okay, I'll say, what's the worst that could happen, right? You know, oh what's the, man, don't really, say that. What's the, what's the worst that could happen? You know, do we get the SpaceX drones? Yeah. You know, like flying around and like mining all those minerals and then coming back here and you know, you know, destroying the, you know, the, the U.S. Army. I don't, you know, I, I think we're far away from that. I don't, I don't think, and you know, I'll, I'll give it to the. I'll give it to the capitalists, right? Like they love their shareholders, right? And if their shareholders are happy and they're making a profit, then, then that means that they're advancing their, their mission, their purpose, which is to extract as much value from space as possible. And, you know, again, to Josh's credit, that makes a lot of sense. I would much rather them go out in space and mine those minerals than stay here mining the same minerals. Mm. So if they can go out there, they do, they do their own thing. Mm. I think it's fine. I, I think them going rogue is a possibility. We're not. I don't think we're there yet. I don't. I don't expect any sort of planetary invention, invasion anytime soon. There's the level of concern for the involvement of private corporation comes in about keeping a central focus on what we're sending up, when we're sending up, and where it's flying. And the governments have to do a really good job about this. Like if a satellite breaks up in orbit, they will track it's debris the best they can, even down to like a couple inches, you know, piece of steel, like a couple inches across. And why? Because that piece of steel a couple inches across is probably moving at a couple tens of thousands of kilometers an hour and could take out another satellite. If it was a foot across or so, it could take out a spaceship or a shuttle. And there has been some concern, especially with people like Elon Musk and a little bit of his less than optimal uh, satellite uh, management by SpaceX that we've seen of where they where the Starlink has been questionable with its satellite safety. Because there is a concern in particular with low Earth orbit satellites that we're not doing the best of job manage, managing them, even in the status quo. And that is when one of them breaks. It breaks into a whole bunch of small space debris that can destroy a whole bunch of other satellites. And if they impact other satellites, they create more debris, which will create more satellites. Thinking about it, it was just a worse than exponential growth because <laughs> one piece of fragment could make thousands of other fragments. <laughs> um, so this has been colloquially named the Kessler syndrome, and it's been one of the hallmark warnings. Some people think we're already on an unstable. Um, what was it called? The Kessler syndrome. Kessler um, syndrome. And it's, it wasn't give, it wasn't given that name by the person who came up with it, uh, who was Dr. Kessler. He is a NASA engineer who focused specifically on space debris. Mm. Um, and this isn't a total calamity. It could be. No one's quite sure. There's some speculation out there, but at least be a minor calamity, which is if we had full cascade failure, it would destroy pretty much all of our low Earth uh, orbit satellites, which would be your GPS, your satellite, you know, communication, your cell phones, um, a lot of infrastructure would quit working mm. and we wouldn't be able to place anything else up back in the orbit for probably uh two or three hundred years we'd, we'd get, be able to get things up in space we'd be able to launch like mid-earth or high earth orbit satellites mm. so internet connections would have a higher latency you know you ever tap the link on your phone and it takes a second to load it's not just the internet speed the signal has to go from your phone up to us you know to us to a, a, a cell tower and right. then away all right so when that happens in space, and remember rule number one, space is big, speed of light delay actually matters. Yeah. The, the clocks are set differently on GPS satellites than they are down here on Earth. In one part, that's accounting for relativity. Another part, that's dealing with the fact that space is big, and it's literally just later in time when those signals get up to the satellite. So the satellite has to adjust and predict in a way. Um, and those problems would get worse if we had to move to mid-Earth or high-Earth orbit. And some technologies just won't work in mid-Earth orbit. Mm. That could be bad. So keeping track of every launch, methodically planning you know, where it's going to go and when it's going to go is crucial. Um, since it's, I think since like the mid-90s, the ISS has had to dodge 29 times. 
And I do mean they activated thrusters and dodged with the space station a piece of debris. <laughs> and that piece of debris was not natural. Yeah. It was a piece of a satellite, yeah. all 29 times. <laughs> so for things like space stations, unless shields are magically possible, um, even a tiny little thing the size of a quarter, the size of someone's hand, mm. can destroy an entire station, could possibly kill hundreds if we're not tracking every single piece of debris and keeping our satellites safe to not have that compound and be a problem. Mm. Um, some people speculate if it did get dense enough, you wouldn't be able to launch or return from the Earth as you would just be peppered by debris and it would destroy any shuttle that came and went. And that's a possibility, but not too likely. Which you what you just talked about, Josh, does kind of raise the issue of collaboration on an international level, right? Because if we're not coordinating, almost like flight patterns when it comes to um, airports, right? Like you have to know where the planes are so that they don't run into each other. We, we, we need some kind of uh, global concentrated unified efforts that we know at least kind of what's going on where people are at but uh what let's let's just briefly talk about policy like what what do we think this would take like for the for the colonization portion like what just on a practical level what does space tsa look like you know like what what are we going to be <laughs> what do what we deal with this as policy uh to kind of get that either that unity that we need or like the practical steps to like get to the next portion of space exploration. And like, this is all hypothetical. Like I'm just looking for a fun theoretical idea here. You would need intense management. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. would be so hard. It would be so hard because, you know, once it's, it's economical enough to just build your own launch pad, right? You know, it's in just go up and then, you know, I, I guess people can tell you to not go up, but you know, unless you have like complete control over the airspace, once you're up there, who's going to stop you, right? Yeah. Um, That's where space military comes in. Point two. <laughs> <laughs> you have space force. Space yeah. force. And and it has to be the U.S. They have to decide who's coming in and out, right? And then just we start there. Uh, the, the life support systems would give a critical new meaning to the word vacancy or no vacancy, <laughs> um, because that could actually be like you know something that has to be thought about, like. If there was a resort colony on the moon, uh, the fire marshal's people limit, very serious thing, because there might not be enough air can, to breathe. But wait, can we have a fire water. in space where there's no oxygen? Genuine question here. <laughs> um, <certain laughs> Instead of a fire extinguisher, fire? you just open the hatch and then the space comes in and just sucks out <laughs> all the fire. <laughs> we don't need fire marshals in space, Josh. <laughs> um so it's probably a super fair. I don't know what actually would happen. In space. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of compounding issues. A lot. A <laughs> lot of the, the list of what you cannot bring on 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 the space shuttle would be immense. Uh, no poor people. That's that's rule number one. It costs too you know, much right now. I have a semi-optimistic like thought. Like I don't think it will take that terribly long for s commercial space flights to get too horrendously unexpensive not a, not I, if I we can get it you know maybe for like the cost of a disney vacation for a family one person can go within the next little bit because like if we let the capitalism drive it i, I could see you being right there josh yeah I, I mean even if you can only get someone up there for a couple hours you know <laughs> maybe not even a day there's a ton of people in the world who will pay you a thousand two thousand dollars i'm thinking of paper I, 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 I would pay I would be My one price. of them. Ten thousand, ten thousand dollars for five minutes. I was thinking I think. of like the the pay per view, the add on stuff in gaming, but it's like for like for this much more per hour, you get oxygen. Like you know, like they just like, they start adding. For, we have this package and that package. Yeah, you thought the turbulence in the economy was rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's the economy space jet blue space shuttle. <laughs> yeah. There's, in my opinion, that's why, you know, Ryan kind of talked about it, a need for a, a highly centralized strategic planning of resources, of people, you know, likely if there were a resort ship and say there was like a space hotel, yeah. every ship would come up there with the life support supplies for the new passengers they were bringing aboard. And they'd probably get a set of passengers to come down. Um, 
because you would have to, you know, being mindful of oxygen and water yep. resources is really hard, and being mindful of the, uh, you know, the economics of getting those things up and off the planet. Like when we're looking at developing the moon, one of the first things we want to do is develop a rocket platform there because it's a lot easier to take off from the moon than it is to take off from Earth. That makes sense. So if you can use more efficient, There's no lower gravity power holding rockets, you down. <laughs> yeah, like. You can actually get do a really long distance space mission. We don't have to burn seventy five percent of your fuel getting off the planet. Yeah, you just get out. Um, <laughs> yeah, you just leave. So I don't know. I, I'm hopeful. Like in the next thirty to forty years, we see a lot of innovations with space technology, access to space, space tourism. You know, when will there be a publicly visible location on the moon? You know. Ah, Listen, ah. you let Disney have the option to do it, it'll get done. Um, it'll be expensive, <laughs> but it'll be done. <laughs> the Disney Plus Plus package gets you access to space. <laughs> you can be with among the first handful of people to experience space. Yeah, I mean, and the, the, the mysticism of going, and I think will always draw people towards wanting to go, towards wanting to be involved, even if it makes them... So for some reason, not inclined to want to fund it too well in the here and now. But, you know, we quite literally are looking out into the infinite expanse with untold possibilities. That is truly our playground. Yeah. So settle up and let's blast off. Marcel, last thoughts before we go to hot takes? No thoughts. No Empty thoughts. Thought only. No <laughs> thoughts, only space. Empty <laughs> <head>. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be right back with our hot takes. And remember, you're listening to the Central Hub for Political Discourse. All right, in this brief break, uh, Marcelo, why don't you tell them about our membership options, and then I've got a special announcement for us coming up before we go back. Absolutely. So remember that you can always support us uh, for more behind-the-scenes footage, and you can join the Discord. Um, please support us, and thank you so much to our supporters yep. uh, for coming with us so far. Good to view us as people. You can hear all about our our days, our weeks, our jobs. <laughs> Yeah, we don't we don't argue twenty four seven. We don't. <laughs> we Usually. actually we we have a good time Usually. behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, the announcement that I have: so Ken Drew from Taboo Topic is starting a new series called Blueprint, and I'm going to be a recurring guest on that series. Basically, instead of just complaining about the government, we're going to talk about like what might be some policy proposals, and we'll unpack some ideas. So that might include some things uh, more along the lines of like what the Federalist Papers laid out. Now, this wasn't something that was laid out in those, but the first topic that I'll be recording with him tomorrow on Friday actually is going to deal with congressional term limits. And so we're kind of doing like a thought experiment with each one of these blueprint segments. I don't know how many segments he's got lined up. It'll probably go just until we run out of content but that will be something that will also be hosted on our channel as well as his if you want it early check out taboo topic which i can link in the description below or you can just stay tuned and we'll keep blasting out announcements there all right let's go to hot takes all right marcella we got you with the first hot takes it's gonna be the shortest and smallest hot take of all i love space i really <laughs> cannot you know even in my worst dreams where we like you know go to work in an asteroid and we all, you know, have like, it's a bunch of, our names are actually a bunch of numbers followed by the brand that we sponsor. It's like, yeah, um, 00455, you know, um, Squarespace, Manscaped, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's a, I still love the idea. I cannot wait for it to become more, more, you know, just more advanced. And while I will probably not live to see the day where we go out there in the stars, like for fun, I'm still very much looking forward to it. Mm. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why I would like to just, you know, stay here for a little while longer. I'm very excited. I, I said it at the beginning of the show, and I'll say it again. Um, love the, the quote of, you know, we do these things not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Um, I Either if it's going to be the U.S., it's going to be anyone else. Whoever gets up there, good luck. Mm. That's it. Interestingly, that's also the grad school motto. <laughs> we do these things because they're hard. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I, I agree with what Marcelo said. I think space is fascinating. One one thing that I wouldn't say this is a drawback. I just think that like the timing with how economically strained we are, I, I sympathize and also empathize with the people who are like, well, why, why is that money going towards space? 
as an academic, I understand the educational value. And I mean, just I, th I think both Josh and Marcella mentioned this earlier, uh, just the human tendency and desire to explore is there. And, and I think that that's why that's going to remain a, a positive thing. But uh, timing wise, it can be a little bit rough I, for a, a policy proposal as a hot take. Um, I would say I think Congress should only be able to spend the money that they can mine out of space. Make Nancy Pelosi, make Chuck Schumer, uh, make all of uh, Mitch McConnell, make them go out to space and, and work for their money before they get to spend it. But uh, all right, that's that's about it. I think that it'll be interesting to watch how space unfolds because I think there are even unforeseen complications. Like we, we joked about, you know, what types of regulations would you need? How much government involvement? And right now, I don't know exactly why it's been as harmonious as it has been, but that's been a positive. Hopefully that doesn't change. Less of a hot take and more of just a hope there. Uh, my hot take is I want NASA to have $150 billion per year um, <laughs> as, as, as their baseline budget. What do they have um, now? Like twenty ish, twenty six, okay. nineteen. It's it, not a lot. Like, yeah. um, not a ton in terms of actual government spending, but to really take a serious look at refocusing on to give to give our nation something to believe in. Like we all look around at the world, it's not great. It doesn't feel like it's getting much better. To give people something to hope in, to dream for. And that, I think that is the alluring promise of space exploration to because it functions as this continual reminder of what we are doing is more than ourselves. You know, whether it be someone's private you know, religion or moral philosophy, whatever disguise about the world, there's still this fundamental conclusion that we kind of do care about the coming and future generations. And there's not a better way of showing our commitment to those ideals than space exploration, knowing that funding now, as Marcel pointed out, may not reflect fun space tourism in our lifetime might for our grandchildren though and that'll be fantastic because there is this itch this urge to go and look to see find our place to understand more and space offers us that and it offers us unity and it offers us growth and it is the location and place of so many fantastical dreams and fiction for a reason and getting people out there reminding them that something so large and magnificent is possible and cap you know and is within the capabilities of our species to do something i think is also a humbling experience i remember there's this great quote i forget which astronaut unfortunately said it off the top of my head he said he wanted to bring up every single member of congress up to up you know up into above orbit where they could see the whole planet and kind of turn and face at them and look at them and go look at it, you bastards look at it and let him pause there on that moment seeing the totality of all humans that ever will and ever have been a tiny blue pale dot floating like a mote of dust across the vast cosmos and the true final frontier. All right. Well, remember, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Twitch, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on our social medias at Between the Liars to stay updated so you know when we go live and you know when we do special crossovers and have guests on. And if you enjoy this show and you want to give us a five-star review and tell people why you love us and how much you love us, aside from the fact that we're awesome, we would greatly appreciate it. All right, I'm sure you find yourself somewhere between the liars. Goodbye for now. <laughs> <laughs>